United States, our congressional representatives and senators play an important role in how the conversation and actions on climate change occur in this country. Yet for the most part, those same individuals don't have a background rooted in meteorology or climate science. Representative Eric Sorensen seeks to change that and became the first meteorologist to serve in Congress in nearly 50 years. He's joining us today to discuss how his career transitioned from a broadcast meteorologist to a politician and how and where he hopes to see the congressional conversation on climate change move. Congressman, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Dr. Shepard. Uh, it's an honor to talk with you today about this. Well, well, you know, I, I don't know why, but I'll take it. I'm a weather I'm geek. I followed this forever. <laughs> well, I, I know you are a weather geek, so uh, I am going to start with the question that I ask every weather geek's uh, guest. How did you become a weather geek? You know, I think I, you know, like so many of us, it it goes back to, you know, the days as a kid where, you know, I I grew up on the outskirts of Rockford, Illinois, and and it seemed like back in the day, you know, when that tornado warning happened, it was that shriek of the sound on television. You know, it was that tone and the screen went red and it said tornado warning. And and I think there was a little bit of fear, but there was a little bit of safety that I found because my meteorologist growing up, we shared the same first name. Um, it was Eric Nefstead on WREX TV in Rockford, Illinois. Oh, yeah, and, I've heard of him, yes. And 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 he he was talking to me in such a way that I learned not to be fearful. And and in my 22-year career of meteorology. Um, you know, that that's the way that I, you know, I, I did my job was to explain the whys. Why does why do things happen in a certain way? Um, you know, not just here's a 20 percent chance of rain or, you know, or, or here's what, you know, here it's going to be sunny on Saturday. Now I'm going to explain why uh, to help explain it just the way that he did when I was a kid. You know, it's a really fascinating story. And, uh, you know, I've, I've followed Eric uh, in his career, Congressman Sorensen, uh, even uh, prior to talking to him. I certainly knew who he was and as a meteorologist within our community. Let me give you a little bit of his background because he is a legit weather geek. He is a legit meteorologist, he has a Bachelor of Science degree from Northern mm-hmm. Illinois University. We're shout out to uh, Dr. Walker Ashley and Victor Gensini and some of our former UGA Bulldogs there on the faculty now at NIU. Chief Meteorologist in Lufkin, Texas at KTRE. Uh, Then he moved to be a morning meteorologist in Tyler, Texas in the early 2000s. Then on to Rockford, Illinois, morning meteorologist from 2003 to 2006. And then you became the chief meteorologist there spanning an eight-year period from 2006 to 2014. And then you moved to the Quad Cities and became the chief meteorologist there for quite some time at WQAD from July 2014 to July 2021. So again, if that does not establish it, I don't know what does. He is a true weather geek, but now he's the congressional representative for the 17th District of Illinois, I believe, since January 2023. And I want to talk all about that, but I see in my production notes that I want uh, something that I just want to get more of your thoughts on. I, I see that in Rockford, you started a project called Project Tornado. What mm-hmm. was that all about? So when I was in Tyler, Texas, um, the the chief meteorologist there, even to this day at KLTV, Mark Skirto, um, he started a, a 
a program there, you know, where we would go into schools. Instead of going to talk to one classroom, it was one auditorium. And, and so I took that idea and 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 I, you know, made it larger in, in Rockford, Illinois, you know, where my team of meteorologists, um, we would put together a documentary video, a full color booklet, um, and we would pack auditoriums uh, for an entire month. And our average was more than 5,000 students that we talked to about severe weather safety in one month. So we moved an entire year of work into one month. And, um, and, and it was really probably one of the, the greatest things that I ever did in my career. Um, because I know that I was speaking to those, those kids like myself growing up that, um, that needed a little bit of help in understanding what was going on around them. You know, I, I want to use this first segment to just geek out with you a little bit. We're going to talk about your your new role in Congress, but, you know, <laughs> I'm talking to a fellow meteorologist. I want to geek out for a little bit. Uh, I, I know you've had some interesting experiences as a meteorologist from a weather perspective. Talk about your experience with the Mississippi River flooding in 2019. Yeah, I, one of the I think this is a, also a hallmark of, of climate change here. Um, you know, the Quad Cities is a unique place where half of our metropolitan area is on one side of the river in Iowa, and then the other half is in Illinois. Um, and a lot of people here, maybe around the nation, remember back to 1993, uh, the Great Flood of 93. Um, and, and there's an iconic picture of um, the Peterson Paper Building in downtown Davenport, Iowa. Uh, President uh, Clinton at the time uh, came to tour the damage. Um, well, the reality here is that seven of our top 10 floods have happened since the Great Flood of 1993. And the worst of them all happened in 2019. Uh, uh, it was all hands on deck. Um, uh, at my house here, we've got a, you know, a fish pond in the backyard with, you know, with some uh, 12 cent goldfish in it. Um, but I, I yanked out the, the, the pump and, and I took it over to a friend who had a business um, because they had sandbagged around their business. And, um, and, and this was specifically just to get the water out of the sidewalk uh, from around the foundation of their building. Um, drove through downtown Davenport and um, dropped off. I had to walk a plank to get to the, uh, his business. And then I got back in my car and drove back into downtown Davenport. And I, I turned down Pershing Street, same street that I came by 10 minutes earlier. And, and there was a Toyota Prius floating in the street. And, and I thought, I just went through this street. It doesn't make sense as a meteorologist why the water went up that fast. This is the Mississippi River, you know, big river, um, goes up and down slowly. Um, but then I realized that the HESCO barriers that were holding back the water um, had breached. And so now you had hundreds of people and businesses in the downtown business district that were trapped. Um, and uh, I called my, my news director at the time and I said, I said, uh, Alan, I, Alan, it, it's Davenport, we're flooded, we're flooded, we're flooded. And he goes, what happened? And I, I couldn't get the words out. And he said, Eric, go on Facebook Live. Tell me what's going on on Facebook. And so I got on the WQAD Facebook page and, and broadcasted live and showed people what had happened before you could hear any, um, any emergency vehicles. But, you know, it, it, and I think, Dr. Shepard, you know, we look at this and we look at these events and we have to understand that, you know, as we prepare for the next flood, we have to understand that this is the flood that happened. This is now the new benchmark. Um, and so we've got to prepare for whatever the next benchmark is. Now, and, and speaking of this new normal, I'm speaking with Congressman Eric uh, Sorensen, former meteorologist, now congressman. 
but I want to continue this conversation. Did your views or perspective on climate change evolve or did you always sort of understand that we have a problem? Because in, 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 in thinking about this, I know that I talked to Greg Fischel one time in North Carolina and he mm-hmm. talks about how his perspective evolved on it. How, how has your perspective evolved? It certainly did. Uh, you know, I, I go back to, you know, the the years around, you know, an inconvenient truth and Al Gore. And it was really frustrating uh, as a meteorologist to have a politician put out the news and and be and be the spokesperson for climate. I was so frustrated, incredibly so, um, that we didn't have um, a climatologist make that movie, make that film. And and so it was at that time where, um, you know, I was a skeptic. You know, how, how could we possibly have an effect on, on such a big system? And, and so it was up to me to start looking at data and picking up, you know, um, you know, the bulletins of the AMS and, and, you know, try to figure it out myself and then realize, oh, wait a minute, this is happening. And then being a skeptic as to what effect humans are causing it. Um, and then I've gone through a couple of seminars, was out at, um, you know, in, in, in Boulder at, um, at uh, NCAR and talked to some of the leading climate scientists in the world. Um, and, and that's when I became a believer. Uh, but it's more than being a believer. It's somebody who understands the science. You know, there isn't really a, a belief in, in science. Um, you either understand it or you don't. And, and so it was my skepticism that caused me to learn so that I could understand. Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Representative Eric Sorensen, a meteorologist in Congress, and I gave you his credentials earlier. I now want to talk about your shift to Congress. Now, you, you were a broadcast meteorologist for many years, and uh, you kind of probably took a typical pathway that we take in that field. What made you decide to run for Congress? I, I think there's a there's a lot of different reasons. Um, it wasn't one thing. In fact, I'll, I'll even tell you and and the folks listening that you know th- two or three years ago this wasn't in my um, you know in my outlook. Um, you know, a lot of things happen. One thing, you know, it was about you know ten, twelve, thirteen years ago now that you know I started talking about climate on television. Um, I started talking about this, um, you know. Because I never wanted to get to a point where my kids or my grandkids would look to me and say, if you knew what was happening, why didn't you say anything? Well, how effective and how, how, are, you, how are we going to tell our, our grandkids, oh, well, the ratings were going to go down. I couldn't talk about it. You know, that, that's a, for me, and this is just personal to me, I think that's a BS answer. I can't give my, my kids or my grandkids that answer. Well, and, and the data from people like Ed Maybach at George Mason suggests that that's not even true. I don't. I think some of the top meteorologists in their markets, even those considered conservative markets, they talk about climate change. It doesn't hurt their ratings at all. Right. And so, and so, Dr. Shepard, we did that. Okay. And, and we looked back at the Nielsen ratings. We even collected all of the snail mail, the emails, the voicemails. 
And it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, you know, this was back when I was in Rockford. We were Rockford's news leader before. We were Rockford's news leader afterwards. I had already gained the trust of the people, even the conservatives in my audience. And they welcomed me because they're like, well, we can't believe anybody, but we can believe our Eric Sorensen on this. And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, when I moved to the Quad Cities, it, I, I told my managers, I, I said, you know, I've got to be able to communicate the science of climate. I'm never going to tell people if they're right or wrong. I'm not going to tell people how they vote. Um, but then I think it was going through a pandemic. Um, you know, where we had too few people speaking truth to science. Um, that got on me. Like, you know, I was like, where where, where are our communicators? Um, because this is, you know, we're learning new things. Um, you know, and at first I was faulting the people in my community for making bad decisions. And then I realized I can't fault them for making bad decisions because they're not being told the right things. Um, you know, and then my congresswoman, uh, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos announced it was our top story on Good morning, Quad Cities, that she was going to retire. And uh, we went to the soundbite and both of my news anchors pointed at me in the weather center. And they said, you need to do this. And I said, I'm not a politician. Um, but then I started to think, where's my place? You know, the fact is Rockford and the Quad Cities are both in the same congressional district. Why did I just spend the majority of my meteorological career in one congressional district? We're, we're coming through a pandemic. We need communicators of science. We need communicators of climate. We need climate action. It's got to come from the middle. It's got to come from middle America. And, and so that was when I really came to the decision that, yeah, I have to try and I'm going to run for Congress. That's really an amazing story because I think so many people think about it or maybe are presented with it, but then are scared off by the prospect of just, you know, where we are in this in terms of the vitriol on either side and back and forth. And there are good people, knowledgeable people that might decide to sit it out, but you did not sit it out. You took on the task. I mean, I know you're in district. Uh, Illinois district set the 17th district, which I guess by some political analysis is, was considered a swing district in the last election, at least. Uh, and I, I, you just kind of told us how your career in front of the public prepared you to communicate and understand your community and so forth. What surprised you most about running for Congress? Well, first of all, um, this this was the hardest job that I ever had in my life. Um, maybe second to being a congressman. Um, first things first is we had to fundraise. We had to get the message out. We had to communicate to the voters here why it made sense for them to vote for their meteorologists because that hadn't happened before. And, and so, you know, we, we first go through my Rolodex of all of my colleagues, or I should say my friends and family first. And, and my campaign manager, he said, well, you, you don't know any wealthy friends. You don't have any wealthy <laughs> friends. <laughs> so so we had strike one. OK. And he said, well, no worries. Let's let's go through the Rolodex of all of the people that um, that uh, are your colleagues. And so I reached out to my colleagues in broadcast meteorology. And, you know, we ran into an issue because so many of my colleagues work in media and they were not able to donate. And so now that's strike two. Uh, because I had so many of my friends say, Eric, I would love to support you, but I just can't because of my job. And that's different because lawyers support lawyers. You know, doctors support doctors. Meteorologists can't support meteorology. Maybe that's the reason why we don't have uh, enough people in our industry in Congress. 
Um, and so then I had to get on the phones and I had to call every person that I could find. And in one year, I did 1,660 hours of phone calls. And I wow. did that because that's what we needed to do to raise the 50, the 100, the 200 bucks to get on television, to win a six-way primary. Everyone wrote us off because, you know, the the uh, my challenger on the other side of the aisle, she had a million. We had 100,000. Um, and so that just meant that in this, you know, in the, in the summer of 2022, I had to get on the phones. I had to make the case why we need a meteorologist, a climate communicator from the Midwest. Turns out I was getting a lot of people from the middle, um, not necessarily the liberals or the conservatives, a lot of people in the middle that want the science, the data, the values in the decision. And, and then in the end, um, you know, I think one of the things that helped out was the fact is the meteorologist is pretty trusted. Um, not that we get the weather right every day, <laughs> but um, but none of the attack ads made sense to the viewers that already knew who I was. This is really an interesting point and one we've had on this podcast before. The, it came up, the a discussion about whether meteorologists are obsolete in the era of apps and AI and automatic uh, automated technologies and so forth. And the conversation centered around the fact that people still want a trusted voice mm -hmm. when there is a tornado bearing down on their community or a hurricane approaching their coastline. And so, you know, it's interesting because you're right. The meteorologist is someone that people trust. And so uh, it's interesting that that sort of was able to connect in terms of your political transition as well. I want to circle back to climate change because I know it's a big concern and issue for you and in, in your office. When you hear, and I hear this all the time too, that the climate has always changed or climate changes naturally, how do you respond to that statement? Um, I go back to, um, I go back to a couple of things. Number one is that time I was out in Boulder at, at NCAR, um, I asked, uh, you know, PH, or, uh, Nobel Peace Prize climate scientists, if I go back to the Quad Cities and there's people that say, you know, I, you're never going to convince me. What do I do? And the answer is, or the answer that was given to me, and I, I had taken Amtrak out to Denver. Um, they said, you know, if you're if you're the conductor on your train and you're you're punching the tickets, people are boarding your train, and there's one person that's left on the platform that won't get on your train um, and says, you can't you can't convince me that this train's going to go where you're saying. Um, what do you do? How long do you delay the people that have already got on that train car? Um, and the answer is sometimes we just have to say, you know what, we're not going to be able to agree on this. And I got to take my uh, I got to take my friends to the next place. But I hope that we we see each other down the line somewhere, um, you know, and and so we've got to be able to to find ways. And I think in the middle and one of the things that I found in in Congress so far. Um, was I learned from a, a friend of mine who is a U.S. senator. He said, Eric, the best relationships that you're going to make in Congress are between election day and the day you're sworn in. And that's because politics hasn't taken hold yet. And so I got to meet some of the re new Republican members of Congress. And when they say, oh, you're Eric, you know, what's your background? Oh, yeah, I was a meteorologist. No way. Were you on TV? I said, yeah, yeah, for 22 years. Oh, that's great. I said, I was the meteorologist that was talking climate change to farmers. And then everybody starts laughing. <laughs> and I said, actually, no, that's not a joke, really. I said, the farmers understand what's going on in Western Illinois. And, you know, when, when people say, oh, climate change is a hoax, 
guess what? They know they're being lied to. And we've got to make sure, and it doesn't matter what part of the political aisle you're on, we got to make sure that we take care of them. And so when I talk to farmers, I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, or independent. I'm just like, I want to, I want to find the data, the value, the science that you can go to bed tonight knowing that your kids and your grandkids are going to have a shot at the same land that you've been on for seven generations. You know, we don't have, we don't have to argue about where this is coming from, um, but let's just make sure we do the right thing. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm geeking out with a meteorologist who happens to be a congressman now as well, uh, Representative Eric Sorensen. And I want to follow up on what you just said, because, you know, I, I think I, I, I my ears to the ground. I mean, I, I advise Congress. I mean, I, I testified a few years ago before the House Science Committee on some of these very issues. Uh, just did something with Vice President Kamala Harris recently here in Atlanta related to climate change. So my ears to the ground and my sense is that we've kind of moved a bit beyond the sort of, oh, you know, it's not happening or you're pulling my, I mean, we it's we know it's still out there, but I think we're s- sort of seeing the ship turn a little bit, at least on public opinion and the, the extreme weather is certainly helping make the case. But you're right. I think where we are now is what do we do about it? And I think a lot of the political discussion is in the solution space. How do you hope to influence that discussion in Congress? I think it's accelerating um, not only our conversations about this. You know, I think, you know, maybe it was a detriment to us where, you know, we 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 don't talk about, you know, religion and politics. Right. We we don't talk about religion, politics and climate change. No, we need to talk about these things, um, you know, and especially um, I found that when we talk about our values, um, they supersede politics. And so that that's the way that, you know, I am politically. Um, let's talk about what we value you know, in our, in our society. And I think the great thing that we're seeing today, you know, it's, you know, whether I'm having conversations with John Deere and company, which is headquartered um, here in this district, you know, about their transition to biofuels and their transition to electric lawnmowers, for instance, Um, or it's talking with, um, uh, you know, some of the leaders at Boeing, you know, to make sure that, you know, we're working toward a sustainable biofuels for aviation. Um, you know, these are steps that we're moving in the right direction. And you're talking with General Motors to say, you know, what is your investment in, in clean energy and in transportation? And, you know, it's they want to source all of the heavy metals in our continent. Um, you know, they want to make sure that we're t- using technology and innovation. Um, because I've, I've always believed, Dr. Shepard, that we've got we've got two ways uh, around this this problem of climate change. Uh, number one, we can do the right thing today. Um, and I always learned from my dad, you know, growing up, everything's going to cost more in the future. So, you know, we got to do what's right today. Um, but number two is we have to be able to use innovation to our advantage. Um, you know, we've, we've got to be able to, 
You know, if we can't mitigate the problem, then we're going to have to adapt to the problem. And so there's there's two different ways around it. But um, so it's kind of coming at it from from both angles. You know, as I think about this, I was at the White House several years ago and I, I got to take a snapshot with uh, Bill Nye, the science guy and Congressman Foster, who I mm-hmm. believe is from Illinois, too, and is a physicist. Uh, where I'm going with this question is, have you come across any other scientists? Because meteorologists, we're scientists. And let's kind of I want to use this opportunity to sort of put the nail in the coffin on a narrative that's out there. I mean, you hear some of our you know, female meteorologists call weather girls and so forth. Now, that's just so insulting. These are degreed uh, people with degrees. They're scientists. They're meteorologists. Um, very physics, calculus, dynamics-based uh, science. People just think we put our thumb in the wind or maybe just look at cold fronts <laughs> on a map. But it's very, very rigorous uh, discipline, of those of you that aren't familiar with the discipline. So have you come across any other scientists in Congress so far? Well, well, Bill Foster, um, you know, here in Illinois, he's a great representative. He was one that I had a conversation early on. Um, he goes, Eric, you know, we've got, you know, great scientists in Congress, but he goes, you know, you, you know this, that, you know, it, as scientists, we have an equation that's in front of us. We have to get the right data to put into the equation so that our solution is correct. And he goes, but Eric, you did something different as a meteorologist. You communicated the conclusion every day. And he goes, that's why we need you in Congress, because we need the communicator of the conclusions. And and so that really, from the very start, gave me the um, the perspective that I needed in Congress. You know, we need to communicate the things that are important. Um, I've gotten to know quite well um, Congresswoman Melanie Stansbury uh, from New Mexico. Um, She was in water resources management before she became a congresswoman. And when we had our first conversation, when we met, she said, oh, my God, Eric, she goes, if you're elected and we have a meteorologist and we have a water resources manager, what are we going to be able to do about the aridification of the desert southwest? What can we communicate? How could we communicate to our colleagues in Congress that we need to act on these things? Um, And so putting these different puzzle pieces together is important. But then it's also looking out whomever is listening to this podcast to be able to say there is a pathway. For, for anyone to come to Congress. You know, not only do I work with scientists, you know, I, I work with, um, you know, teachers. Uh, I work with, you know, business leaders. Um, I work with um, an auto mechanic from Southern uh, Washington. Uh, she and her husband, uh, Glusenkamp Perez, a congresswoman there, um, she was an auto mechanic and she, she's now in Congress. So anybody can do this. Um, and so now I, I hope that, you know, regardless of where we are politically, um, that it does influence other people to think about what their place is. You know, we're coming to the end of the podcast, but I want to take advantage of this opportunity because I'm certain most Weather Geeks listeners don't get to hear about the typical day of a congressman. And we've got one of our own, a Weather Geek that's in <laughs> Congress. So, I mean, I, I, I what is your typical week like? I mean, I mean, how often are you back in your district when you're not in your district? What's going on in Congress? I just want to give the listeners a little insight to what a congressman's day is like. Yeah, it's about three weeks on in in the Hill uh, in Washington, um, you know, working in committees. You know, I am on the Agriculture Committee and the Science Committee. Um, I am a ranking member on the Space Subcommittee. Um, and so it's it's working in those committees. Um, it's also um, understanding the legislation that we vote for. Um, but while that happens, having people in the district 
um, and and having you know a great team um, that makes sure that we focus on constituent services. Um, that's the most important part of, of this job, you know. And so that's got to happen while I'm in Washington D.C. And then when I'm back home, it's making sure that we're dotting the i's, crossing the t's, and that we're meeting people and understanding what the needs of the people are. Um, and then, unfortunately, after that, the third part of this, it's already running the next race because in Congress, you only have two years uh, two before years. you have to which prove. Is, which is like, which is, I think, a challenge because I've often said the two, four, and six-year cycles often make it hard to get things done on climate because unlike some things where you can put a a facility in a district and people can see the tangible benefit of that, sometimes climate legislation seems a little sort of nebulous to people. I mean, have, is that your experience as well? I think you're exactly right. You know, and being a freshman congressman, understanding that, you know, I, you know, especially in a divided Congress, you know, I'm not going to probably get uh, much to the floor. Um, but there will be bills that get to the floor um, in the next Congress and the Congress after that. Um, you know, as we build the relationships, uh, we we build those across the aisle as well, and then we get things done. Um, and so, you know, I hope to not only be the first meteorologist in Congress in the past 50 years, um, but you know, the I first hope, one, by the way, <laughs> um, it was it was Dr. Dale Milford, or I don't I don't know if he was a doctor. Uh, Dale Milford was a meteorologist at WFAA in uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, in the 1970s. Um, and is it a coincidence that he was elected to Congress in 1976? That was the year that I was born. Oh, wow. Wow. Some weather geek synergy going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Congress, Congressman, I'm going to let you go because I know you've got a lot going on. Where can people find out more about you? Can they follow you on social media anywhere? Because there may be some listeners out there that are really fascinated by this discussion. Yeah, on, on social media, um, you know, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you'll also find me in two different places on each platform. Um, the reason being, um, one is for a campaign, um, and then one is for the official side. Uh, so you'll find at Rep Eric Sorensen or just at Eric Sorensen. Um, and then uh, for more information, you can go to ericforillinois.gov or you can go to sorensen.house.gov. You know, really, it's an honor to talk to you. It's always an honor to talk to anyone that steps forward to represent our country. I mean, you know, we thank you for your service and for uh, what you do. You know, I've always been someone that sort of prided myself on trying to be very objective. I don't get into the partisanship too much because I know, you know for the most part, for the most part, whoever's running you know, either side of the aisle, they're running with the best intent in their heart and want to do something because they love this country. And I really appreciate that. So thank you so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. It was uh, it was my pleasure to be with you. And uh, and hopefully we can give a progress report and in uh, part two down the road. We producers, uh, we we just uh, confirmed a second visit with <laughs> Congressman Sorensen because I think that would be an interesting podcast. Uh, you know, you're welcome here to kind of see where things are when we check in in a year or so. For now, we have to end it. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. Thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Mm-hmm.